Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced at the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country in Melbourne and broadcast across the stolen continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm AC Hunter. On today's show, we're focusing on Western Australia. I got the chance to speak with some forest campaigners from the WA Forest Alliance, or WAFA, on their fight to protect old growth forests in the southwest. I started by speaking with Jess Peckerling, WAFA's convener. So my name's Jess Beckling, I'm the convener of the WA Forest Alliance and I've been campaigning for forests in various different ways in WA since 1997. Okay, great. And um, could you just um, give us a sort of overview of the history of the campaign to save the forests or conserve the forests over in WA? Sure, well, I think it's very similar to other parts of Australia and no doubt around the world where for as long as people have been clearing the forests and cutting them down, so you know, for as long as they've been um, since since European invasion of Australia, there have been people campaigning to protect the forests as well. So in, in WA, the kind of written history of um, forest conservation goes back to about 1916, when Lane Poole, who was um, termed the first conservator of forests, was talking about how that we um, we were destroying too much of the native forest ecosystems too quickly and we were losing all of these incredible values. But then, you know, it comes um, up to more recent history around the 1970s was when the first direct action started in WA and that was to do with clearing of Jarrah forests for mining, uh, for bauxite mining. Um, and then in the 1980s, there was a very strong campaign to protect the Shannon uh, National Park, which is a magnificent bit of um, mostly carry forest with an amazing river running through it about... Um, uh, halfway between Manjimup and Walpole, so quite far down into the southwest, and that was successful. And uh, and then in the 90s, things really hit their straps, and we had the first um, blockades with a um, first um, first blockades against logging in 1994, and then that kind of developed very quickly into um, a really major blockading campaign that ran through the rest of the 90s and was supported by very strong campaigning in the city as well. Uh, up until 2001 when finally we changed governments and uh, the Labor government protected a whole lot of the old growth. Okay. And you were involved since 97. So what was it like sort of in that late 90s? Oh, it was... um, it was the most atmospheric, um, powerful, extraordinary campaign to be uh, to have been involved in. I mean, no, oh, no doubt, you know, other people would say the same about campaigns that they were involved in that reached those same sorts of levels. But um, I started when I was 18 and um, was uh, had started uh, studying at UWA, doing politics and economics, and um, came down to uh, a forest that was being planned for logging. And you know, the the clear fells were really vast and really dramatic, and then the old growth forest standing next to them were just picturesque and stunningly beautiful and the people were so inspired and energetic and fabulous to be around so it was a, a really um, eye-opening experience for me as somebody who was you know quite young and very passionate 
and uh, it, it, it grew very quickly from there was about 12 of us initially when the blockading actually started. Um, by the end of that year, we, we were in that particular forest giblet outside of Pemberton for about eight months. Um, there was a, like a thousand people coming, you know, for, for weekend festivals and stuff. And, and the campaign had reached this um, uh, degree of visibility where we were getting heaps of TV media and everybody in the city knew what was happening. So um, it was incredibly empowering uh, and, uh, and, you know, really powerful, but also really devastating because there was, the logging was happening at such a rapid rate and the, the impacts on the environment were so profound. So it was just a, a really uh, significant part of my life, yeah. And then that changed over 2001 with the Labor elected government? Um, yeah, so the campaign built um, uh, very quickly and strongly between about 97 and 2001. And uh, there was one rally where there was 25,000 people in the rain. It was called the Umbrellas Rally and Perth City was wrapped with people. Um, and uh, it was evident that we were going to change government if the Liberal government was Richard Court at the time didn't change their policy um, that's the uh, Gallup government who were um, talking very strongly about old growth protection were going to come in so the, the a lot of new people started joining campaign at that point and uh, the media really hit its straps so uh, then in 2001 Gallup was elected and on a very strong commitment to immediately protect all of the old growth forests and conduct a review of the high conservation value forest that didn't meet the definition of old growth but also should be protected for similar reasons. Uh, and everybody believed that that had happened and to an extent it did. I mean, we, we conserved more than 300,000 hectares of, of old growth so it was a really profound victory. But a lot of forest was left out um, because of the definition that was then chosen. So it's you know 20 years on nearly, and um, and we're still campaigning for those forests that should have been protected back in the day. And the the wind really did come out of the sails of the campaign at that point because it had been so well publicised and people were so well educated on the issues. And when they were told that that the old growth had now all been protected, uh, they believed it. Mm. And then. Was there a kind of shift in campaign focus then or strategy? Uh, things got a bit quiet for a little while um, mm. after that. Um, and, um, and more recently, we've shifted our focus from um, the more sort of combative um, narrative about, you know, the, the, um, the forests versus the, the timber industry to trying to draw all of the issues together into one argument. So the Forest for Life campaign that we launched two years ago does that really uh, succinctly and it talks about how um, forest conservation actually benefits the regions. And that's similar all around Australia, I think, is that um, you know the native forest logging has been so demonstrably unsustainable uh, that the timber quality has declined really dramatically and uh, there's fewer and fewer people employed in the industry and it's becoming less and less profitable. In WA, it's been operating at a financial loss for the past four years. Uh, so, you know, taxpayers are, are subsidising the ongoing destruction of these fantastic irreplaceable forests. So we've drawn that argument into our campaigning to say, the forests are actually worth more standing, even if your interest is financial, uh, and certainly if your interest is social, because there's more jobs uh, that come out of protected forests than there are out of forests that are being logged. Cool. And what has been the response to that new campaign, Forests for Life? 
Uh, it's been very uh, enthusiastically received across the southwest. I mean, we've had uh, formal support from a couple of the regional chambers of commerce and industry um, and uh, from a, a whole lot of tourism and recreation groups, Noongar um, elders um, uh, and groups, and there's been a, um, a, a really broad acceptance of it. Um, we launched it a couple of months before the last state election and we had strong support from the Labor Party who were then in opposition um, in the lead-up to the election and uh, some really important commitments were made at our launches to immediately conserve the um, remaining high conservation value forests and transition the timber industry along the lines that we'd set out in our plan. Um, but, you know, it's been uh, nearly 18 months now since that um, since that change of government and we haven't seen any significant movement from Labor. Things aren't getting worse, um, but they're not getting better in the way that they should be. And so we, you know, we, we're just continuing to work really hard, uh, both within um, within Labor Party um, ranks and and also pushing things um, from uh, within the community. Yeah, and is it is it hard work, sort of changing that narrative and building alliances across what's considered, I guess, traditionally opposing kind of sides? Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, we, we sort of went for the low-hanging fruit, first of all, with, um, with all of the groups that, are, that benefit from forest conservation mm. um, and uh, and then spoke to fine woodcraft operators and people who are more um, aligned with farm forestry and, plant, and the plantation industry than with the, the native forest logging industry. And there's still you know people within the agencies, um, the government agencies, and also within the, the lobby groups for the timber industry who wouldn't talk to us about it, you know, kind of over my dead body kind of um, relationship going on there. But that's, I think that's okay. You know, I think it's all right for there to be um, some areas of disagreement that you can't breach, but certainly within the mainstream, it actually hasn't been a very difficult um, conversation to have or, or campaign to push because there's, We've only got about 500 people maximum. Um, the, the latest Australia Institute study said that there's between 360 and 440 people directly employed in native forest logging. So it's become really quite tiny. Uh, and, um, you know, people who are living in those towns are mostly being disadvantaged by the timber industry. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's been difficult in some senses because it's new, but, um, but really we've been um, pleasantly um, surprised by how much support there is out there for the change. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. I wanted to learn more about the Forest for Life campaign that Jess mentioned, so I spoke with Wafer volunteer Dom. Part of his work involves speaking with local people in logging towns about the new campaign. campaign itself, which is important, is the strategy of how they're going to go about um, stopping the deforestation of all the, na- all the native forests that's left in the southwest um, and creating an alternative timber industry um, that's hopefully world class, that's going to provide all the timber needs or as much as possible for, the, for Western Australia. 
um, through farm forestry. So getting um, farmers to plant trees on their properties and over um, generations to harvest those trees um, for an economic income for both the farmers and the timber industry um, to provide that timber. So the West Australian Forest Alliance has always been an activist-based organisation, so frontline defence of the forests. Um, This arm or this new campaign is more like um, how can we reach the mums and dads and particularly more than anyone um, those people that live in the towns where the forestry um, the logging is occurring Um, so how can we reach the loggers themselves and connect with them and help them so a lot of scientific research has gone in to explain to the general public um, what um, this new forestry program will create. So it could be, for example, would be an increase in timber jobs, and that's why we're aiming for um, people in the timber towns. Um, so increasing timber jobs, protecting of tourism um, in the southwest, um, the beekeeping industry, you know, and so on. So all those industries that rely on the southwest, we're reaching out to those as allies in the southwest and saying, let's work with all these other industries and not not try and just be on the defensive, but also um, create alliances and, and be on the front foot. Um, yeah, but the, ma- the major thing is how can we no longer be against the loggers in the, in the forest, but be... Um, create allies with them and that's the underlying message I think or the underlying aim um, because that's that's what's been stopping us on policy and and so on because they're the one that's what politicians will always go towards what about the jobs and what about the economy and so on and we've already got all that stuff covered in this kind of new Forest for Life program. That was Dom, a volunteer with the WA Forest Alliance talking about the Forest for Life campaign. It was interesting to learn more about the shift from a more direct action-focused campaign to one that's promoting an alternative, sustainable forestry industry. For another perspective on this, I decided to speak with Claire, a long-time forest activist who's been involved with Wafer over this time of change. So in the 90s when I was at Little Tucker and not involved, there was a really staunch um, anti-logging movement in the southwest of Western Australia thousands of people showing up to rallies and strong forest blockades occurring in the southwest, hundreds of people holding space mm. nonviolently. It was a really big movement. Then in 2001, um, the Labor government was voted in under a promise to end all old-growth logging, which they did, um, but introduced a really dodgy definition of what old-growth was and continued to log continue to log old growth forest but kind of as a result of them alluding to ending old growth forest and that win of the campaign I think a lot of people and a lot of momentum was lost and it took quite a long time for uh, momentum to build especially in kind of a direct action space Um, and the people who were kind of left around were kind of pretty militant and um, when I got involved, which would have been about, I don't know, maybe 2010, something like that, and I didn't really find 
those blockades to be a particularly safe or welcoming space for me as a young woman. Kind of created an offshoot with some friends, some student activists, and joined with the WA Forest Alliance um, to, to defend Chala in the southwest in oh, 2012, something like that, mm. um, which led on to the campaign to defend Helms Forest in around about 2014, which is a beautiful 600 hectares of Jarrah Forest backing onto um, the a wildlife rehabilitation centre where red-tailed cockatoos are released into the Jarrah Forest. And we spent quite a few years defending that bush, walking around, getting to know the landscape and um, doing some surveying as well as kind of more classic direct action blockading tactics, got to really know the bush really well. And through that process of walking around, we're able to find a bunch of forests that met the dodgy definition of old growth. And about half of that forest was protected under the old growth definition. So about half of it was saved. Um, and the other half, unfortunately, we lost. Um, a bunch of us were arrested, taking peaceful action, which led on to pretty lengthy court proceedings because for the first time in history in Western Australia, the contractors were seeking compensation payments from the activists, um, which were awarded against them, which is really unfortunate. Um, there wasn't heaps of pro bono legal support available at the time and not a really big solid community support as there was in the 90s. So kind of following on from that, I guess, and getting to meet quite a lot of people who lived in the towns and the communities who were dissatisfied with the logging practices that were just clear felling and trashing the forest, really different to kind of the history of logging in the area, which prides itself on being kind of before the 80s when clear felling was introduced in Western Australia was quite selective and um, much better practice. So we got to kind of know that the the local communities weren't dissatisfied were dissatisfied with the practice. There wasn't a lot of people being employed in the industry anymore, and a lot of us who'd taken kind of the more classic form of direct action to stop logging had incurred these massive compensation. I I got about eleven thousand dollars of compensation awarded against me, so and a bunch of us kind of similar amounts. I guess that kind of prompted us to think about different ways of telling this story and different ways of taking action to protect the bush because we could see, I guess, that things like surveying the forest was really effective and looking for these um, endangered species and looking for old growth patches and that kind of thing. The slowing down, I guess, of um, nonviolent uh, civil disobedience as a tactic in WA was also kind of tied in with um, a campaign around the election for with WA Labor where we were campaigning to get them to make some really solid promises around their old growth definitions. There was a Liberal government in power at the time and they did, they made these really, really amazing promises to us. Um, and so we went quiet for a while and just kind of went into negotiations and were kind of waiting to see what happened. They told us that um, they would immediately conserve all high conservation value forests in the southwest and create 
a just transition towards um, farm forestry and away from native forest logging, among a whole bunch of other promises around the creation of corridors and species and, that, and protection of species and that kind of thing. Which I guess is the space that the Forest for Life campaign has taken up as well, is to implement as a response to the Labor government making these promises which they didn't keep um, is to go in and do that work themselves in those communities towards those just transitions. I'm really excited to be part of the beginning of a Citizen Science for Forests um, group that's just kind of forming and inspired by some really amazing Citizen Science for Forest work that's happening on the east coast of Australia in East Gippsland and in the Tarkine in Tasmania, um, hoping that we can go out and survey the forest and take people and connect them to the bush, um, build that movement back up again. That was Claire, a WA forest activist. Another threat to the forests in WA is the felling of trees due to bauxite mining. Jess Beckerling, who I spoke with earlier, explains the situation. Yeah, there's um, Alcoa and Worsley are the two biggest companies that are extracting bauxite from underneath the Jarrah forests, and um, they've got state agreement acts that go out until the um, late 2030s and 2040s. So, you know, that's a, a very difficult beast to try and move, um, and uh, they are responsible for clearing of uh, about a thousand hectares of Jarrah forest every year, and then removing the ore from underneath the Jarrah forest, and then they try to kind of rehabilitate the soil but it's obviously you know <laughs> an incredibly difficult thing to try and achieve particularly with an ecosystem that's as complex as the Jarrah forest with all of the mycorrhizal association between the um, the, the trees and uh, and the, the fungi in the soil so the regrowth is just hopeless um, so it's a it's a really massively ecologically damaging exercise and recently it's expanded because rather than having a lot of the processing happening locally they're now shipping raw bauxite off um, shore so the um, the operation has expanded and more of it is coming more, more of the Jarrah forest is being cleared for this operation every year uh, that's something that we've focused on as much as we can through our um, proposal to immediately protect all of the high conservation value forests and then to move the remaining forests that have already been heavily uh, impacted into this new land category called future forests where they can um, sequester carbon and recover their ecological values over time. But it's, um, our focus has, has more in the, in the past uh, 20 years or so been on the native forest logging industry than the, than the mining industry itself. That was Jess Pickling, convener for the Western Australian Forest Alliance. Thanks to Jess, Dom and Claire for talking with me for this show on forest campaigning in Western Australia. If you'd like to learn more about the Forest for Life campaign in Western Australia, check out their website, www.forestsforlife.org.au. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm AC Hunter. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program to you. 
Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, on Wurundjeri Country. If you'd like to get in contact with Earth Matters, you can call us on 03 9419 You can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or you can go to our Facebook page. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters.